Hello and welcome to the Sam Knows Podcast. I'm Barry Collins. In part one of this moment's podcast, we heard from Walter Johnson about the FCC's plans to introduce so-called nutrition labels, which are designed to make it easier for US consumers to gauge the expected performance and costs of the broadband products they're buying. In part two, I'm going to be speaking to Sam Knows Director of Government Projects, Roxanne Robinson, to find out how other regulators have dealt with this issue and if there are any lessons the FCC can learn from their experience. I started by asking Roxanne about how broadband advertising in the UK had, over the years, become much closer to the speeds that consumers actually received and what she thought had driven that change. Well, I think it all ties into Ofcom's general ethos, really. They they do a lot of work around this idea of um, fairness for consumers. And it's been a real clear guiding principle of theirs to try and help consumers get useful and educational information on their broadband. Um, and one of the ways they specifically look to do this is by creating the code of practice. And I think the first iteration of this was in 2015, um, and it was introduced as a voluntary and self-regulatory measure for ISPs to sign up to. Um, and I think Ofcom really wanted to improve the standard of information around the speed a consumer would get and provide consumers with more information so that they could make educated choices about what was right for them. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Ofcom recognized how important the internet was, and this is obviously in 2015, and how much people relied on it. I think in one version of the code, they they said, you know, getting access to decent and reliable broadband was like accessing gas or electricity. It's not just a nice to have. And, you know, don't forget, this is obviously before <laughs> the pandemic and everyone working from home and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think they saw that it was it was something that people were relying on more and more. And I think that they saw with that reliance comes a responsibility on the ISP to make sure it's clear to people what they're actually purchasing. And even now, um, ISPs really differentiate themselves on speed. And there was a disconnect between the speed that was being advertised to a customer, but what you actually might receive in your in your home. Um, so to provide an example, you might have an ISP offering um, a product, let's say it's 76 meg download, but there are so many things that can affect that top speed. You know, anything from the number of subscribers sharing the network, the number of people accessing a particular service at a particular time, mm-hmm. or even just the, the type of line that you have. And, and I think that they wanted to make sure that you had information that was more about what you were most likely to get and rather than the absolute best speed you could possibly get in the most perfect con- conditions. It's a much more realistic way to sell. Yeah. And that's really what VCOPT has helped achieve. It's a, it's a much clearer, more realistic um, information at point of sale, but they've kind of gone beyond that even now. So I think the latest, iter- or not the latest iteration, but they released an iteration to the code in 2019. Um, and again, that was just to kind of iterate on this and say, okay, well, now you need to give customers minimum speed guarantees and they need to be told what speeds they can expect in peak time. And things like that are important because, you know, peak time is the time everyone is using their connection. Again, Mm -hmm. this is a little bit different now in the pandemic because people are working from home. So you're using your residential connection all the time. Um, But 
it, it was those kinds of um, more targeted bits of information that really mean you're getting actually quite helpful information. And I think they plan to go even further, you know, introducing live sync speeds so you can see what you're actually going to get um, from the line going into your actual house. Mm-hmm. And all of these things, it just makes it a much more transparent market and means that when you go to buy a product from an ISP, you've got a much more realistic um, understanding of what you're actually going to get depending on the address you're actually trying to purchase the product for. I, I think it's been really empowering for consumers. They've done, um, yeah, they've done a great job. What lessons do you think the US could learn here from the UK then when it comes to delivering reliable information about speeds? Well, it's an interesting question because, I mean, the UK and US are very similar in lots of ways. You know, both have been running very long-standing broadband measurement projects um, for over 10 years. They really champion consumers. Uh, they really want to provide them with accurate data. Um, I think the UK is uh, further ahead in this just because of all, obviously all of the work that Ofcom have done with VCOP. So I think that it's things like how have Ofcom make the speeds or information that was offered to consumers more targeted? Because um, there's obviously lots of different types of information that you can provide to people. Um, I think sort of providing speeds in peak hours, making sure the information is of a nature that will be most interesting or important to people when they're actually trying to use their connection is very useful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think, you know, from what I've seen in the US, they're proposing a lot more information on their labels than the UK has, which is quite interesting. So I've seen examples where they've talked about um, data caps and does your product come with a data cap? If it does, what's the cost for going over that data cap? Um, Some things I've even seen have suggested, are there any network management practices in place, for example? So I think having all of that information is going to be really helpful to educate consumers. And you can kind of see how they might expand that going forward. Everything looks at quality of service metrics at the moment. You know, Ofcom focuses on speed, Um, And similarly, again, the examples I've seen in the US are looking at speed. But you can imagine that it might be um, you start to look at application-based testing, for example. Mm -hmm. And it might be if you work from home a lot, you're already interested in video conferencing and you want to find out the best internet package for being able to support that. Um, So it could be that you can kind of expand these labels to get some more information in there as well. I think there's lots of different types of information out there. Um, so it's it's kind of looking at what's worked over here um, and then trying to apply that um, in a way that yeah gives people as much information as they can um, handle. The US labels look like they're going to give an average uh, speed performance of the provider, whereas here in the UK, ISPs have to give a pre-sale estimate of the customer's specific line. Do you think that more detailed information is of more help to the consumer? I mean, I think you know the more detailed information you can get, is probably always better, but I do think that it's an iterative process. And, you know, you can't forget that the UK has been at this for five, six years now. Um, I I actually think just any kind of information you can get for the customer at point of sale is helpful. And I think Mm -hmm. averages can be good. Um, You know, it gives people an indication of, of what kind of performance they might expect. Yes, it's not as specific as, you know, exact um, specific line estimates, which Ofcom might be able to give. But I think that, um, you know, you've got to take into context, for example, well, what do the reports publish in the country that you're in? Um, and what's going to be feasible for the first iteration of this label? And then how might we build on this as we go forward? And I, I suspect that what will happen in the US is, is the industry and the regulator will work together um, to assess what can be included. The FCC already includes 
some or require some of this type of information from ISPs that take part in the Connect America Fund, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is precedent for what can be collected and shared and also how it's calculated. And VCOP in the UK was very specific about the methodology that had to be used by any ISPs that signed up. Um, and they told them how they wanted things like normally available speed or minimum speed should be calculated. So there's a very kind of set methodology uh, that was put in place. And I think that ended up working really well because there was a very established data set that they looked to. Um, so the VCOP methodology is very similar to the methodology that the um, Ofcom Home Broadband Project uses. Mm-hmm. And so there was this big data set, everyone kind of knew what was available, and that could be then reviewed to see what type of measurement data was available, and then how best to package that up for the consumer. And I think the US is in a very similar position. They've obviously got the Measuring Broadband America project. It's an enormous um, data set that is available to them, particularly on this kind of quality of service metric. And the industry is very familiar with it. They trust it. Um, It's a really accurate data source. So I think that they will probably look to see what they might be able to do there, maybe start off with averages, maybe include something like a range, for example, might be quite helpful for people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the breadth of data that they've got to play with at the moment gives them a very wide spectrum of opportunities to be able to to see what works for people. Um, But like I said, you know, it might be that in the US that they're also going to include a lot more contextual information about the package on these labels as well. Um, which is not necessarily something or, or not necessarily di- the direction the UK has gone in. Um, but the US has got sort of other things that are taken into account. So, for example, um, you know, it might be that you lease a gateway in the US or a, or a modem from your ISP, but you might not. Um, you might have a data cap. There might be a charge for that. So I think they're kind of imagining having a lot more information on these labels of which measurement data is just a part. So mm-hmm. that might that might impact kind of what the what type of information they want to give and then how that's presented. Okay. The code of practice on broadband speed in the UK is voluntary at the moment and some of the biggest ISPs don't participate at all. Do you think it's necessary to make these schemes mandatory like is being suggested for the US? I think it depends on the type of market the regulation is being introduced into. I mean, the way Samnos works in, well, in almost all the projects that we've got globally is very collaboratively with the regulator, but also with industry when introducing these types of projects. And we found that approach works really well. Um, like you said, in the UK, the scheme was voluntary um, and Ofcom worked out the finer details in collaboration with the ISPs. I think from my point of view, that works quite well. Um, Mm -hmm. It means that both industry and the regulator can input into the process. And I think that there's benefit to the ISPs that they can see when they're involved in that, because the amount of data that you have to have to be able to do something like, um, you know, providing this this kind of granular um, speed data to to people who are interested in buying your products means that you then have to have that level of data or you can have that level of data available to the ISP as well. And so, yes, it's helped to fulfill regulatory requirements, but beyond that, it helps the ISP as well because they get an amazing amount of insight from what customers are actually experiencing because of the level of data that is collected. And they can use that in in a myriad of different ways, solving customer complaints, diagnosing in-home issues. So I think by working collaboratively, you actually get to build something that has benefits outside of maybe just the intended regulatory income that you're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. 
But I, I, to be honest, I also think you start to see consumers driving the expectation for transparency as well, and that can lead the ISPs to react. And we've seen ISPs who want to join the projects such as MBA or the, the Ofcom project in the UK um, because they see the benefit of being involved and being able to talk about it. It's something that resonates with their customers. Um, it's something that helps them attract people to their to their brand. Um, so I think it's quite a nice way to approach it if you can, because it, it, it kind of brings to bear everyone's experience and tries to put something in place that works for everyone. You work with regulators all around the world. Have you seen any other examples of regulators providing a good model for delivering reliable information to consumers? Yeah, there's there's lots of different examples of this, to be honest. Um, and, you know, they're all sort of similar but slightly different. Um, so Comcom in New Zealand are actually creating a marketing code at the moment to, again, help reduce consumer confusion. Um, and they are trying to, and again, they're working with industry here to to basically come up with a way of marketing products that helps reduce consumer confusion. Um, and they're talking about things like, again, using actual peak time speeds as a representation of what you'll get if you purchase a product. Um, stop, not use theoretical maximums in advertising because obviously that causes frustration or, or this disconnect between consumers. Um, but we also see it in, for example, the FCC's broadband data collection project. Um, so this was a, a big project that was kicked off, um, I think it was January last year now. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really, really interesting. You know, the FCC have been doing a lot of work in improving coverage maps in the US in terms of where uh, broadband is available and where it's not. Um, and they are looking at really inventive ways of collecting this data from lots of different sources to produce reliable maps that people can look at to see, okay, is my area served? Isn't it? What might I be able to do about that? Um, and so they have this this initiative, it's called the Broadband Data Collection Initiative, um, where they're basically looking to create a system which allows Americans to submit data from various handsets through an app um, back to the FCC to help create these crowdsource maps um, that will be available online for people to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's quite a nice way for for citizens to really feel involved in that process and really feel engaged with the regulator and actually to be able to, to submit data that, that helps people, you know, because all of that will be taken back and it will help kind of guide decisions about where funding should go um, and really help to, to close the digital divide in America. So it's, it's a really big project um, but it has been a really good way of getting getting people involved properly to be able to solve these kind of quite fundamental problems. That's it for the second part of this month's podcast. If you missed part one or the article that accompanies these podcasts, be sure to visit samnose.com forward slash spotlight where you'll find them both. Until next month, goodbye. <laughs>